Hello my partners in crime and welcome back to week six of our um, murder mornings where we have a little chat and we have a look at some of your comments and stuff that you've put on about these two cases. Now the cases today that we're going to look at are the cases of the Shirley Oaks Children Home but I think before that we're going to start with the murder of Ruth uh, Williams by her husband of 50 years, Anthony Williams. But before I start on them, I've had a few um, yeah, instant messages, DMs, whatever you want to call them, um, to Murder Analyze site, all right, or, you know, onto the Facebook site. So, remember that when you are leaving comments and everything, whether that's on any of our platforms, that I can use these to uh, react, as I've said before, this is what this question and answer stuff is all about. So I had this question come through the other day, and unfortunately I haven't got back to them on that um, media form, but because I was doing this and I've been really busy, you know, I, I don't know if people know what I'm doing or not, but I'm really, really busy again. So this is a question, and it was a question straight out, um, <laughs> about Reese's uh, Collins case. Now, it stated, do I ask um, the family members about the cases or can I do the cases? Uh, the simple answer there is no. No, I don't. And I don't know many or if any actually true crime channels do. Now, the other reason why I wouldn't have approached this family for any reason um, it's mainly because this case is 1985 case so it's a cold case so um, that was one of the main reasons I wouldn't but no on general no we wouldn't we wouldn't approach family members most of the stuff is wrote about and stuff like that would be confined um, and stuff anyway so no, not really, unless they want to come forward and after we've done a lot of these cases, um, parents and brothers and sisters and staff have come forward. I think at the moment on here we've got, you know, Ricky Nash and he's um, talking about his sister's uh, murder, disappearance and murder. Again, another very old, you know, historic case of uh, Cherry um, Grimmer on here and he's been on here asking a lot of questions, you know, talking to people getting their it out there still in this you know the public's eye because they want something done about this case so yes we do talk to many people i talk to a lot of the domestic abuse cases um i do talk to them and i talk to their family members but only after there is no issues relating then to the case so the case is over anything relating to that case like custody battles or anything else has to be over before we can um, have a talk and have a discussion and sometimes even film it which you'll be seeing later on in the year them sort of things we do do and if people after we've done these videos want an opportunity to have their say then this is an open forum and that's fine too you know we're very open i think and transparent here murder analyzed i think everyone can understand that when we do about these cases that the empathy that we have is always for the victims right away and of course then for the family of course we do they're the ones that's left behind but her question was do we you know uh, you know approach the family members because it can be upsetting and stuff to hear 
what we've said. Now in Reese's case, and it's a very sad case, I understand that, um, I said, and I only said, that it is theories of what may have happened to Reese. Theories. But what was happening in Croydon around that time with others is not theories. It's the truth of what was going on. So in Reese's case was in relation, in connection or possible connection to Kevin Hicks case and Lee Boxall's case. Now these boys, Lee and Kevin, have never been found. Their bodies have never been found. So it's important that these cases go out. I Listen, I'm, I know these are upsetting cases. I know they are. And I'm sorry if I've upset anybody. But the thing is, this was going on in Croydon at this time. We've done many, many cases and we're gonna talk about one of them cases now. So listen, I'm sorry if I've upset anyone by this, but I will not be removing the videos at all because they're important. They're important to get out there. Now, the other thing was what was in this uh, message was that we have only done this case and said about this for likes and subscribers. You know, I, obviously I don't think they, they watch Murder and Lies or they understand um, how true crime channels work. Listen, we're not millionaires, right? We usually have other jobs that we do. This is an awareness. We highlight awareness of different things that's going on in this country right up until today. That's what we do. We don't make millions from it. Right? We don't. The likes are good because it gives the algorithm something to spread our videos out further. That's what likes are for. Subscriptions are for people that to help us might either support our channel because we are as as true crime, you know, people that do these channels are probably on the lowest paid and no ads really, or very few ads, want to touch us. And that's their choice, right? That's their choice. Everybody I know that does a true crime channel works extremely hard day in and day out to give people the best they can in these cases and to give the victims a voice in some way. That's really the truth, actually, about true crime channels. It really is. That's what really goes on behind the scenes. Hours and hours of investigation, unpaid. Hours and hours of editing, you know, finding things, information out. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes of a 30 minute or 40 minute video really a lot and as I said most of us if not all of us have some other jobs that we do so thank you for all your comments on all of this and I appreciate that comment from this young girl um, about it and um, I hope I've answered that for you I really do so let's go on now we want to talk about now Ruth now poor old Ruth married 50 years to this Anthony wasn't she and um, she was killed, you know, after just saying, you know, get, get over it. 
you know, and I want to still start actually because I only ever read out now. I haven't got to put my glasses on because I've worked out that I can actually expand um, my, you know, writing on here. Plus, if you noticed, I'm on my own again. I'm on my own. Leanne is um, Lacey's mum, and Lacey's got a chest infection, so of course she can't be here. So um, I think I'm going to have to say, and I, Lorraine, my friend Lorraine, who's legally trained as well, may be expecting a phone call soon because things need to change with this. So for now, I think this is going to be the last, actually, murder morning until I can find someone else that can work with me on this who has some legal understanding because it's really easy to, um, and easier for me, if I have some other lawyer or someone else that's trained in law or whatever, psychology or whatever. So I know there's a, I've got a few um, people that I've linked up with before that are psychologists and stuff. So if you want to do a bit of um, podcasting and stuff, just let me know. But um, I have a friend around that's also trained in law, highly trained in law. And it's good for me to be able to, um, you know, because her opinions are going to be different from mine. And that's what you want, really, when you're answering you know people's comments you want to have different opinions don't you so things are going to change so for now this number six week six will be the last one for a while until we sort out something different where i think you're getting more value um with your comments and stuff so anyway let's start with uh Bulin. now i would like to hear more cases about long-term marriages that have um you know ended up in murder yes there there is a lot actually and I think she goes on to, to a lot of different stuff in her. She's put a couple of comments on there. So listen, yeah, there there is a lot. I think a lot of the older cases, you know, when you're looking back, you know, domestic abuse wasn't so much in the news then, was it, and stuff. So they're more difficult to find. But the latest ones that's coming up, yeah, they seem to be, haven't they, um, the older generation and stuff. And I, I think it's good, yeah, I'll look for a few more of them sort of cases for you as well. Um, and I think um, it says here that, you know, things go on behind closed doors and it's scary that COVID pandemic um, can be a way, sorry, let me just open this up, can be a way of lots of stuff, can be a way of getting a reduced sentence. And yes, it's bound to be exploited by some people it it is and you know listen i'm not underestimating some of the anxiety and some of the things that's gone on with um within this covid pandemic you know I, i'm not and i don't think you can because i know a lot of people and we've had a lot of suicides haven't we and stuff like that you know in this time and people with mental health over this covid you know they really worry deeply about it but you see, this man didn't have, did he have any history of mental health? He didn't really have any of that. And so, yes, I agree. I think that sometimes that we can exploit things like COVID-19 and stuff, but we just don't know because she never reported anything, did she? She, you know, Ruth, she, she never. And um, he, he came across, and as I said, you know, um, remorseful and that. Listen, we just don't know what goes on behind closed doors and that's the shocking thing, isn't it? Is that this girl was married to this man for 50 years and over a simple thing like that, he strangled the life out of her. It's, it's just, you know, it's so unbelievable, isn't it? When you even say it. 
that you think, you know, it, it can't be true. You know, it's that unbelievable. Um, but sometimes I suppose it can be. Well, this is what they're saying. So thank you for that. And I think you've also wrote um, about his wife, says, you know, snap out of it. I actually said, say to my husband, snap out of it. She said, um, get over it. Meaning the same thing though. Um, and because he was 70 doesn't mean that the man is always less dangerous. He, as we've said before, you know, in many cases, just, you know, if this woman had been with him since she was 17, 16, 17, then, you know, really the influence over her um, could have been for a very long period of time, very long period of time. So, um, and he could have been, and you ha there hasn't got to be violence, has there, in relationships for it to be domestic abuse? Not really. Not now when we're talking about this coercive behaviour. It's about control, isn't it? So we just don't know. Ivy, thank you. Um, when you compare this to the recent case of a woman who stabbed her husband nearly two years of COVID, not five days, thank you for that. Um, you have to wonder uh, that the woman always gets harder sentences. Always. Um, yeah, uh, listen, I don't know. I mean, this man clearly killed Ruth, right? This Anthony, her husband of 50 years, clearly killed her. He strangled the life out of her, he killed her. She had broken bones, this, that and the other. It went from the bedroom, didn't it, down to the porchway. So it was a prolonged and sustained attack. That's how it was wrote up, as a prolonged and sustained attack. Not, not just strangulation, right? Not just a strangulation. So what is the difference then when we look at it between Ruth's? Uh, between Ruth's death, sorry, and the death of, um, you know, uh, David Jackson. What's the difference? What's the difference? She used a knife. Her attitude was different. That's the differences, really. That is the only differences. And yeah, I mean, how? She, I mean, she got done for murder, so murder holds holds a high sentence anyway. But she actually even got, um, you know. I mean, you can get 12 years, aren't you, for murder? She got 18, to minimum before parole. I think that will be reduced uh, if they can actually get it to appeal, maybe. But, you know, 18 years before you're eligible for parole really means that they believe that you went out of your way to do what you're doing. Where with um, Anthony Williams, he just got manslaughter, didn't he? Well, involuntary, under diminished responsibility. That means that he didn't have the capacity at the time to understand what he was doing was wrong. So there's a difference and that's why the sentence and even that sentence of five years is, t is totally long. I thought I was reading more about that case and it said about seven and a half years to ten years he should have got. Yeah, he should have because, you know, when we reduce these sentences by half and he comes, he's done 11 months on remand, he's out. You know, and it does come down to roofs worth you know we've had a lot of people say this lots of people say you know ruth williams life was only worth well not even five years because they would have known by giving him five years he'd have only done two and a half then you can take off the 11 months Christ, you're out aren't you you're out you're out before you know it so 11 so five years take off 11 months you know you're talking about that you know four four years you're out two 18 months to two years, you are out. That's all her life was worth. Terrible. 
Now, Mona, you've got a good point, actually. You come, you say, um, thank you for your work put into these cases. And as I just said in the beginning of, of this um, video, um, plus I wasn't well when I'd done this video, actually, and I'm still not so great now. But anyway, um, and she said, it would be interesting whether the broken bones involved were solely in the neck or from the fall. Could have been. Could have been, because they was fighting, wasn't they, in the bedroom. They've come down the stairs, you know, they've, they've been fighting. Um, so they could have been. I will try and check that out. I'll try and get some sort of thing on the autopsy. I'll have to go through all the um, notes on the criminal notes on that, on the, on the if they're out, I haven't found them yet, on the um, case. And uh, we'll go through that and we'll have a look and I'll come back with where the injuries were on her body. But yeah, good point. It, dog with a bone. Dog. D-A-W-G. I love it. Now, I like this comment, and as I said, I wasn't well on this one. So I said, I love your narration. Can I suggest more Polish presentation with to write down um, a dozen or so keywords on legal medical terminology, you know, all this sort of stuff. Maybe different card colours for each field. Yeah, I, you know, when I first started, I did that. I did. I had it all prepared already. Now, usually, my brain is like, I don't know, what is it we've got? Winter foggy brain or whatever we've got. Usually, and you ask anyone, I have like a photographic memory, usually. But you put me in front of this camera. It's a totally different thing. <laughs> it's a totally different thing to what I would normally, if I'm talking to you, me and you, and we're talking about a case or anything, it will flow absolutely i never use notes and i've never used notes in any speeches or anything that i've ever done i think this is the worst thing i hate looking at this computer to have to do it but um no usually when i'm in full flow really uh, not in this sort of environment um i'm much more of a confident speaker and i've never used notes in my life but it maybe it's an age thing as well isn't it you know the old brain could be going a little bit now but yeah people that know me must think gosh where's she gone <laughs> so listen thank you for that comment and you know i will try again with some little notes just to help me and stuff you know i i think um you know even though we've been doing this now over a year um maybe it's still a bit fear maybe i'm still a bit anxious about the recording side of it and stuff like that but yeah usually the terminology comes out with uh, without an issue if it was just me and you talking but thank you for that i really appreciate it now d says which i think i love this d actually the old lockdown the excuse for a defense lawyer's dream isn't it this lockdown this and anything really <laughs> I think you're absolutely right though you are listen anything like this anything that may give a defense lawyer a chance of getting their client off okay it will be used you know I've said haven't I before about in courts and I've said about juries how you would want to win them over how you want to, them to believe what you're saying and, and put this you know and it is like a story isn't it and, and I have always said even to my law students you know it's about who can tell the best story isn't it in that courtroom isn't it really and so when you have a defense like you know oh gosh you know it could have you know diminished responsibility because covid you know he was stressed and so many people have been stressed they haven't gone out and murdered anyone or took someone's life of their wife of 50 years but they have certainly got anxious and anxiety about this and so that can relate to some of these jurors can't it it can relate 
they can think, oh, well, I was a bit worried over that. You know, you're putting that seed in their mind. It could have been, couldn't it? Because that's all you need, isn't it, for a jury? It's the doubt. So really good, actually, this excuse of defence lawyers, but defence lawyers will really use what they can. And it's down to the prosecution to prove that case. Um, and so they should be able to come back with facts and figures and all this stuff, you know, to counteract the defence's, um, def you know, excuses, as you'd like to say, D. So, yeah. And, you know, it's got time served should not be taken into consideration on short on these short and sensitive uh, sentences and any jail, for any jail sentence. Well, you, I agree. I think, listen, if you've given someone... All right, they've done 11 months out of it because we're saying, well, we've held them on remand, haven't we, while they're awaiting trial to prove whether they are innocent or guilty, right? So if they're found innocent and they're acquitted, they walk out. That's it. They're done. They can claim for sort of stuff. You know, they can. But then the government actually reclaim for the rent and everything, charging them for being in there. So they can. So... Legally, that is why they're allowed then to have that sentence taken off of the full sentence, that 11 months, because they've already spent that time and they could have been innocent. Why spend in that time? Even though they were found guilty, then that still then is, is taken off for that reason or else we would be giving them longer than what the judge in the sentencing had given them. I know, I know, but that's how it works out. And now we go on to Greta. She said, strangling someone to death is the most common in domestic um, abuse cases. It's the ultimate form of control. Well, it is, isn't it? When you think, and when he, and when he even says, you know, the words he said, I strangled the life out of her. You know, it's terrible, isn't it? It really is. So yes, you're right. It is, a, it is quite common. It's either that or they stab really or I mean that's the usually the two things as you say it's always about control and so it does make you think doesn't it when he's used that form you know of um to, you know to get manslaughter for the the killing of this uh, of Rufo after 50 years was it always about control was there was there control in their relationship did he have it all that time was that it that was his last part of control over her could be could be a good comment. So, G. De Geers. Now, can I put your name forward to my friend James English, who is a podcaster interviewer, interviewing people with somewhat diverse lives, very interesting uh, working um, lives. It would really help your viewing figures on YouTube. I feel a great channel you have and deserve much more awareness. James English, everything. Mm. That's how it goes by. Well, thank you very much for that. Yeah, put my name forward. I think that'd be really great. Um, I'll have to have a look at him, but thanks for that. Yeah, listen, I, you know, I've took a few months off, so I think that's why our ratings have dropped a bit anyway. Listen, it happens with YouTube. As, as I said, it's all about this algorithm, isn't it? The minute that algorithm sort of stops and drops off, that's it. That's it. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's, really that's really great. And that's really nice of you to even consider that for me. I really appreciate it. So, yes, listen, as I've said with Murder Analyze, we can need all the help we can get. We, we do. 
you know, and I think most crime channels need all the help they can get. So it's really appreciative that you've even thought of me in this case. So thank you. Thank you for that. Brilliant. So Kerry, um, um, he knew exactly what he was doing and what a defence he was going to give. He had, he had to retire. Then COVID, he wasn't getting the attention he thought he was entitled to. So he took it out on his poor, loyal wife. Exactly. That's exactly what could have happened, isn't it? That's, that, that's it. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He stood there. And as I said, this is the difference, isn't it? Now, the contrasting cases were not about, you know, with um, Penelope Jackson. We're not about the murder, what she done, or the sentences and that sort of thing. But the overall, the way that the law works, the way that we see it, the way that she said he knew what he was doing. He was calm, collective. He didn't slag off his wife. He didn't do all this sort of stuff. He got away, really, with a sentence dropped down to manslaughter by diminished responsibility because there was no history. But there was really no history either, was there, in um, Penelope Jackson's case. Not really. A couple of bickering things, a couple of things where they're fighting over the TV, this sort of the other. I think there was something in 1998 um, you know, these sort of things. There's little bits. You can't tell me you're married 50 years and nothing. There's nothing, not even an argument. Now, that either shows, shows that someone has got control over someone else here. Because an argument isn't always about, you know, simple little bickering stuff. It's about you getting your point across. How can someone be right all the time? So if there's an ar no arguing, and someone in that household was right all the time, wasn't they? In 50 years of marriage. So yeah, you know, um, she was a loyal wife, but was she a loyal wife who had been suffering from domestic abuse in the form of coercive control? Possibly. And Michael, hello Michael. Now, Michael says, you say that he should have got 10 years. He probably under the law for diminished responsibility for this, for this sort of thing, probably should have got another two and a half years on top of the five, so seven and a half years, right? That, it's not enough. It's not enough. But under what the defence he used and, um, you know, and he was found, you know, guilty under diminished responsibility. That's why. The difference, as I said with um, Penelope Jackson, she got life because hers was a murder charge. And also, she um, it was the way she presented herself and the way then that was presented to the jury. I don't think that jury had much option, to tell you the truth, in that case, but to um, give her life. I, I, don't, I don't think by what she had portrayed and the body cams and all this sort of stuff, I don't think they have much much choice. And would we then, we would have had outrage, would we, that she got less? We don't know, probably not, probably not. But, um, you know, that is always the chance. So, listen, Michael, yeah, uh, you know, um, I think when we look at this case, it's really difficult, isn't it, to, to think. Because we can't say all domestic abuse cases are the same, because they're just not. Each circumstance is different. I think the whole thing about all these contrasting ones and the next one ain't come out yet till Saturday and then um, you will see what I mean, you know, in it really. 
And I just think, you know, if we look then at all three, um, then you can really understand what I'm saying about these contrasting cases, because it's about the law. It's about how the jury, a case is put forward to that jury, them sort of things, isn't it? And how we first, you know, I think it's the first few seconds, isn't it, that people make up their mind about us, whether they like us, they don't like us. When you see a, a body cam of a woman that is saying that she hated her husband and, you know, she stabbed him, she wants to stab him again, no, 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 don't save it, don't save him, I'm compass mentis. This is what they're hearing, it's hard then to take this out of their mind. They've seen it, they've heard it, they've seen it for themselves. So visual sometimes will really implant into that jury's mind and that's why she got murder. But the case differences, the, the, the sentences differences were because one's manslaughter, one's murder. So this is Jerry and then there's a thing from Sean in there as well. So Jerry said, I've seen my first husband that I was married to for 22 years. Four years later, I remarried. The first one, he became a lawyer. Um, it was like... Um, I never knew him and many more lies with with the two he was a narcissist with the second he was a narcissist at the start at the start from day one and I married him my life became I think terrible really now listen and this one, I think and Sean says Crikey, my ex turned out to be the most diverse person and it was like I never really knew him. Obviously, he was capable of behaving that way all along. This is the um, thing, is that when, you know, no matter how long you may be with someone in these relationships, the minute you marry, it seems to be like, especially when um, Anthony and Ruth would have married. It's, it's like with my marriage, the old days we were saying, aren't you, you know, you know, I obey and all this sort of stuff in your in the, the vows. Um, not that it means anything, but to some people it does. You know, love, honour and obey. It's a contract. Marriage is the oldest form of contract, really. It's a contract. Isn't it? That's why we have to get divorced. You know, you decree an eyesight, you know, and all this sort of stuff. That's what it is, because you're ending, you know, that contract. So a marriage is a contract. And some people actually see it as a contract. And some people, you know, the clauses in that contract then are then, I suppose, your vows that you say to your husband or wife. That's how you want to really break it down into that. That's really what marriage is. And some people, as in business, when you're taking out a contract, seem to think then that they have to a right over you or something because they want control of that stuff. Now, in marriage, not much difference either. A man or a woman can take a marriage as permanent, right? It's permanent, they own you. They take their vows and that responsibility of marriage very seriously, especially 50 odd years ago, they do. So, you know, in looking at it that way, did he think he owned her? Did he think that he, she had to obey him? Did she think and took them vows so seriously that she had to obey, love, honor and obey? Now they took the obey out. Because, you know, and I've said this, you belong to no one. You know, you just don't. No one does. You belong to no one. So this is why this part of the vow was removed from that. Because people actually took it so seriously that it got in the way of legal cases that were coming up. 
because it's a contract. You know, course marriage is a contract. When you have to put your bands up, don't you, for three weeks? Then you get married. You have your witnesses. Everything that forms a contract is in a marriage. Everything. So when it came, I think it was 1993 or 1994, when certain things changed, come out of that, and a bit later on when the vows were removed. But because it got in the way of prosecuting husbands for abuse. That's why it had to change. It's all about the law. You see, the law's in everything. The law is in everything. But marriage, to this day, is still classed as a contract. Really. It's a standard form contract. That's it. That's what it is. And that's how some people look at it. And so, you know, when they get then married to you, their perception changes, doesn't it? Because they think they own you. You belong to them. So it's always sometimes they look great, don't they, until you, you know, got that commitment. I mean, years ago, it could take you eight, nine years to get divorced, for God's sake. It's not like now you can do it online. I know Lacey knocked out a couple of divorces the other day. I mean, God, she's only going to do it online for people. You know, I don't do divorces. I find it too traumatising, divorce, <laughs> with everything that goes on in it. But I don't do family law for that reason. But, um, you know, they're so easy to do now. You know, because the contract, because the certain terms of that contract have been removed, it's now much more easier to get divorced. And therefore, they're much more easier than to prosecute under certain laws now. Because people now, especially women now, have a lot more rights. Hi, Paula. Uh, now, the full-grown adult, she says, is responsible for their own behaviour. Absolutely, they are. Blame begins with the perpetrator and ends with the perpetrator's excuses. And it's just an excuse. And I agree with you. You know, and it is just an excuse. To say I was a little bit depressed, I wasn't sleeping for a few days, I was turning on and off lights because I you know, was worried about my bills, my money, even though you had no money worries at all in this relationship, it's all an excuse. Covid did it. You know, it did it. That's what they're saying. No, you, you know, not not to take your life, not to take a life of a woman you meant to have loved for 50 years. I agree with you there. It's just an excuse. That's it. That's all it is. And Pixie says, I agree. Um, you do the crime, you should do the time. And I say this to, I say this to a lot of people, and I know a lot of criminals, to tell you the truth. And, um, you know, and I always say to them, uh, and they're reformed now, should I say, they're reformed, okay? And I always say to me, you do the crime, you do the time. If you're going to do a crime like this, really, like anything, any crime, and you get caught, you know, you have to do the time. But in these cases, when we look at this, it's about, isn't it, the time they've been given, does it represent the crime? No. It doesn't. And this is what this is about. Yes, he could have used diminished responsibility. Yes, he could have lost his shit for an instantaneous loss and strangled the life out of this woman as he's dragged her down the stairs, beat her and ended up killing her on his porchway. Could have. But does five years represent that? Does it? Don't take off the 11 months time, sir. Does it represent the crime? No. No, it doesn't. Mark, once again, nice to have you and Lacey back, um, Chris. 
love i don't think this case or any other case for that matter can be compared to other to the other case of Penelope jackson case or any other every case has to be taken on its own merits anyway keep up the good work thank you for that right thank you now listen mark as i've said it's not about comparing the actual cases is it and i and i until actually i've brought out the third one which is coming out saturday it's going to be hard for you to understand um what i'm talking about i know that i know that but it's not about comparing because they're man versus women it's about comparing everything about and as i've said before not just about the sentences not just about the crimes not just even about their ages because they're all three different cases have got different ages in them it's about the perception isn't it on how we see this sort of crime how the judges see it how the jury see it how the public see it that's why i want to give an overall look at what really going on with domestic abuse in this country so yes there may be contrasting cases for that reason but as you are right in saying every case every case should be dealt with on its own merits and i hope that i've tried to do that in this cases tried to show you the differences and allow you then to make up your own mind from their cases and then join them all together in the end but thank you for that comment i appreciate it i'm going to put this now this is um rs first biker right so yeah old man actually said he regretted it uh women's fault never do and on the and they jump on the bandwagon are always shouting about dv against them bang bandwagon obviously includes this youtuber anyone else would be what the fuck penelope now um <laughs> i mean it's a comment and we try and do all comments now this was a reply to mark's comment right so um you know yes anthony did say that he regretted it he did and it is quite clear in what we saw with penelope that in no way at that point of that interview um or, or that arrest that was happening on the body cam you can see it all did she in any way have any regret at all or remorse about what she'd done to him no way there's no way she did so i mean whether she did later on it, the judge said no and throughout she didn't but there's you know listen we just don't know we don't know but thank you for that comment anyway india says my my husband and i have been married for 18 years and we and we never marry um i don't know maybe she meant we never row um we both are very careful selecting a partner we were compatible with well lo lovely that's great for you and listen i've been married 40 years and as i said to you before of course we row it's normal isn't it because when you have an opinion you row right and wouldn't it be lovely to be with someone compatible you know that you don't have to row and you everything is lovely and listen that is a lovely way to be that's a lovely way to be and to be honest the amount of cases that we do with domestic abuse and the rise in domestic abuse wouldn't it be lovely if that didn't happen and everyone had a relationship 
then like that where they were compatible with each other and no one harmed each other in any way. But unfortunately, the reality is not that. So you are very lucky if that's the relationship you've got and we are very, very pleased for you. Now, my relationship is no way violent or anything else, but absolutely we both have our um, own way of speaking and um, our own sort of things that we like to do and say and you know we joke around sometimes I wouldn't say we've had a big row for maybe maybe when the kids were younger but no as you get older you don't do you plus we both work we don't see that much of each other <laughs> I think that may help do you think and that but we're compatible in them ways that we have the same goals and aims for the future and I think if you have that in a marriage that's what makes the marriage really really happy and I think you know everyone has an opinion everyone has their own point of view and when we come to the end of this you know this case to say that you know he killed her because she said get over it shows that this woman really didn't have a voice not really not if that's all it took so thank you for that let's move on Okay, let's now move on to the case of Viper's Nest of Paedophiles. Okay, now this case is just, it was terrible really, <clears throat> and I can't take credit for all the work on this case. As I said in that video, that some of the reporters have worked 18 months, you know, two years, three years on this um, investigation of this uh, Shirley Holmes, uh, Shirley Oaks, uh, you know, children's home in Croydon. You know, uh, it was a shocking case. It was a shocking case to research. I, as I said, I started researching it, didn't I? Because I was looking at, you know, the links between um, Kevin Hicks and uh, Lee Broxbourne case and stuff. And my gosh, absolutely, just opened um, doors up that I was really shocked. And it took a lot to um, write that um, and and to try. And it was literally, and as I said to you, and I think it's an overview of the case, an overview, really, uh, to go into detail on that case, even not without naming all the victims and all the perpetrators in that case, to go into detail, into real detail about that, would have took hours and hours of work and research. And so I've got, you know, really commend the people that done that. And um, I use their work and parts of their work and, and stuff to highlight, just to give you an overview. So um, Diane B says, Christina, thank you for your video quality uh, and in-depth um, content as usual. So very sad. And all I can say is that God bless all the victims and survivors. I hope they get the justice they deserve. For all these perpetrators of these crimes, may they rot in hell entirely. Now listen, most of the comments on this case have been like that, right? They, they've been like that. Most people have got absolutely contempt for anybody that does any crime against children, especially in uh, in this area like this, it's it was this case was absolutely soul destroying. I think, and it must have been for the victims of these um, of these people. Terrible. Uh, I think uh, Rosine says uh, your compassion sight shines through. I hope so because I listen. You know how can you not have you know? And yeah, I get pissed off, don't I? Really, I do. But when you've read. I mean, for hours, pages and pages of stuff, articles, you know, 
um, testimonies of, of these um, survivors. You know, how can you not be compassionate? How can you not want this to come out and, and make sure that people get justice for what went on? You know, how can you not? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not good. It's, it wasn't good. But I'm so glad that we've done it and it's out there. And I hope people that spread this out, I hope people that talk about this case really, you know, because it's one that we shouldn't forget. No way. Because nothing like this can ever happen again. It's absolutely terrible. It really is. It's an absolutely terrible case, this. Anyway, uh, Catherine, she says, do you know Antonio something? Silco Crimes. It was left. It will leave you shocked for days. No, but I'm going to have a look at that. So thank you. I will have a look at it and we'll go through it. Um, uh, Sandra says, I'm saying that this after two minutes. Christina, love your hair. Gorgeous. Oh, thanks so. Lovely. Uh, um, Sharon Lewis says this case will go on and on and on these evil men and women should be in prison until the day they die the abuse of the children with them and it will be with them until they die which is true um, to this day if Jimmy Savile would still be alive I don't think that he would have been seen a prison cell either um, because it was just a cover up it was shocking and we should bring back the death penalty for some of them. Controversial, but we do like a bit of controversy. Anyway, uh, Jimmy Savile. Um, now, do you know what? The bloke, actually, the, he was a, a detective. Can't remember, is it Mark something his name is? I can't remember his name now. Now, he, when Jimmy Savile had died, you know, and they was all doing these, um, <laughs> you know, things about him, oh, he was great, he was this. Now listen, I used to watch Jimmy Savile. Now my mum, and I'll tell you, this is in London, now my mum, I used to say, mum, I wanna go on Jimmy Savile, I wanna write, don't, she used to say, don't you write to that man. You ain't going nowhere near that, Chris, you ain't doing it, you ain't going. I, do you know, I think people in London, ordinary people, right? Not the bloody BBC or anywhere else that was trying to hide what he was doing or knew what he was doing, you know, allegedly, allegedly, because I don't want to be stopped, allegedly. But I think normal people around London sort of knew about what was going on with him. But of course, they weren't listened to, they weren't heard, were they? Weren't allowed to say anything about Jimmy Savile at the time, were we? So this police officer, ex-police officer, he had... Um, done a few cases, then he thought, right, I'm gonna, I think he retired from the police and he then went into um, investigation himself, criminal investigation. I have to see if I can find a photo of him and his name, but I can't remember it, I'll write it up. You know, when you're writing up tall, I'm using. Anyway, and he done an investigation of about a year on Savile and really found it difficult for people to get hold of it. Would they take it? You know, because you're talking about this man, you know, you couldn't say a word against him, could you, this Savile? You just couldn't. So I don't know whether he would have been, in the end, why this man was still alive. Could they have gone through him and got away with it? Because he would have probably shut you down straight away. But after he was deaf, I mean, this is what this um, investigator was saying. Even after his death, you know, this could have been a career ender for him. It could have gone either way, couldn't it? At that point, about Jimmy Savile, would the public believe 
what this investigation was showing and this investigation showed that there was over 500 victims alone just for Jimmy Savile way over and again I think that's just tip the iceberg Jimmy Savile so um, it's a great comment but I'll find his name and his picture and I'll put it up but yeah he's, um, he's good but he worked a whole year on this case and as I said it could have ended his career and it didn't it didn't so good for him for actually you know and as I said these are certain people that have took this is one man they took a year of in-depth research into everything about Jimmy Savile to bring this to light so good for him Great comment, Sharon, great comment. And Susan says, one of the most heartbreaking accounts of children being abused that I've ever heard. Absolutely unbelievable and terrifying. A total disgrace. And it bloody is a total disgrace for this country. I think it, it really is. Um, it says, God bless you and um, bringing these stories to light. May all um, they receive the justice that they so um, richly deserve. You know, and I think when we're talking about that, we're talking about with the, the young lad that was um, found in the bathroom, you know, after the allegation two years where he tried to give evidence, didn't he, against a paedophile um, doing sexual abuse to other kids in that um, Shirley Oaks home. And then he was found dead, you know, and I'd say in suspicious circumstances two years later and no staff member or anyone else in Shirley Oaks Children's Home actually gave any account and said anything about him giving evidence before you know and so that's really what tainted that and I'm hoping and I think a lot of people are hoping that the Metropolitan Police are going to reopen that case and have a better look at that young boy's case you know to see what happened really and if they can still find out any evidence of what happened after all these years. Now Martina, Martina, I was going to say Lazo but Martina, always the same comments that tells you the facts get deleted. SMDH. I'm not really good with that. Now listen. <laughs> Martina. I don't delete um, comments. I'll tell you, I do actually. Because sometimes not, you know, they're not comments. People put on, you know, like other sites to try and get people to watch some quite bad images. So we remove them. Sometimes I remove them if they are, you know, being really inappropriate or they are abusive or in any regard to anyone on here, detrimental to anything that's being said, whether that's to the victims, their families, the members on here, then I will delete. But because you might have a different opinion to somebody else, no, we don't. Sometimes though, depending on how you write that and what you write in it and whether your language is correct and stuff in it, that YouTube will itself delete. So no, I don't delete comments. I actually like a little bit of controversy. I like it where people have their say and come back. And it's not all about what we agree on or not. There's, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, thanks for your comment. But no, it's not right. It's not right. Listen, we're only up to 11,800 subscribers, right? We haven't got that many, have we? Comments on here really don't go into their thousands yet. They don't. So I think the comments what you see on here are people that have commented because they are followers of this channel. They, you know, like to watch the cases and comment. So it would be nice, actually, Martine, if you want to comment on one of the cases that we put up. Or if you have commented on one of the cases 
and YouTube have removed it for any reason, maybe you should reword it. Thank you for that. <clears throat> and this is from Baba. Now, Baba was the one that told me about this home in the first place. Here's from his comment from the last um, cases that we've done. Now, he's got put a few rows, um, named many per, uh, perpetrators and linked, and linked it to child abuse, trafficking via street gangs. Police information allowed to comment on the worst crimes because they were informing on other criminals but more importantly she has the victims now 30s 40s and 50 year olds living like life giving their testimonies very interesting stuff you will then you will then link together he says oh watch how high born the surname on the top person running some of these homes it's very interesting do you know, um, I'm going to have to have a look at that. I'll be checking that out. I'll be checking that out. Now listen, as I said to you, this, and as I said right from the beginning in this, when someone asked me about Croydon and what was going on at this time around here, right? You know, no one's lying here about these cases. No one's putting things in people's mind. It's fact what was going on here. It's fact that in these children's home, you know, there was paedophile rings. You know, there was, really there was. There was influences coming from inside and outside this children's, this Shirley Oaks children's home. There was. Now, that's, no one's making that up. That's actually clear fact now. These people have gone to prison, some of them. Some of them. Some of them have not. They've not. But it was going on. It really was going on. And this is when I say to you why we need to continue to expand this out to find out what was really going on in London, and to tell you the truth, probably what's really going on in London today. Today. As I said, many crimes have changed, haven't they? From being, you know, out in our world every day as we see it, to online. To online. Listen, on the dark web, you can buy and sell a child today. Today. Where do you think that child comes from? You know, I've always said this. You know, we have people, don't we, that run sites, and we've done a lot of these cases on these paedophiles that seem to love, you know, making money from children. Listen, the times may have changed now. We may be up 30 years up, 2021. But the crimes haven't changed. It's just the way that they are perpetrated that makes the difference. The crimes are still the same. It's just the way they are done that's a little bit different. Shocking, really, what is going on, not only in this country, but across the world. And we will be looking soon into trafficking cases. Absolutely. Now, Lisa says, um, human beings are capable of for um, evil never ceases to amaze me. Um, and it's true, you know, and I, I'll tell you, the crimes I do, right, listen, I don't like horror movies or anything else. I don't watch them. I don't like them. But true crime, I like because I like to understand why people do what they do. But for the life of me, you know, no matter how much I read and we try and find out why these perpetrators of children, paedophiles, do what they do, I, I, we don't know. There's theories, isn't there, out there? I'm not going to go into them because I've been my load of crap, right? These people are perpetrators because these children are innocent 
they are vulnerable. They believe that what they are doing to these children, they have control over and that's what they want to do and that is exactly what they're doing. That's the end of it. Why they do it is irrelevant, isn't it? They do it. You know, and they say there's no cure and we hear it, don't we? We're going to put prisoners in, you know, we're going to give them four years, we're going to give them some therapy. Therapy for what? For what? I mean, there's a, there's a thing in um, America, in Florida, actually, where it's like a paedophile village, really, because they, they're not allowed back into society. So they're now in their own village type thing where they keep them. Now, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. One, it's a good thing. I think that's because you know where they are. And some of these are very serious, you know, perpetrators. They've had their therapy and everything else. But that doesn't mean to say they're cured. And Florida police know this. So they know that if we keep them in this area, we can manage that. We can keep them out of our population. And that's great, isn't it? It is great. But that's the paedophiles we know about. The paedophiles that are on your sex offenders lists, aren't they? You know, the register. A register is only as good is if the person has been caught and charged for it. Then they're put onto a register. There are many, many paedophiles out there today working in all walks of life in our society that are not on any register, that have never been caught and never will be caught. Right? That's it. That's the reality of it. So, of course, we're never going to end this. We're never going to end it. The only reason it seems now like there's more about is because we are talking about it. We are no longer afraid to talk about it. These children from this children's home and other children's homes across the world are now telling you about their stories, about what happened to them in these children's homes. That's what's different now. That's the only difference, is that now these children, these survivors, have now got a bloody voice. And thank God that some of them are using it because without them half of this we'd never have known what's truly going on out there now Monique says I'm watching this sobbing my heart out I was abused by my own dad I can't I can't imagine um, what these children went through uh, shame on this country you know thanks for that um, Monique it you know again uh, as a survivor of child abuse I'm so glad that you wrote that comment and shared that with us and you know it's it's shocking isn't it really but I really thank you for that comment and sharing that with us now Keely says thank you for covering this case I've had the pleasure of working with one of the victims and she was sweet kind-hearted lady but she had suffered her whole life I hope all these animals get what they deserve in this life if not in the other. Thank you for that, Keely. Listen, the, you know, these survivors are like me and you. They have to live. They have to live normal lives. They're trying to put this behind them, and some find it much more difficult than others to to do that. They, you know, and I'm so glad that these girls and these boys are getting help now as adults, or are they? Are they? I mean, really, I mean, we have this survivors, you know, um, group, this uh, Share the Oak survivors um, group, and that was set up, and that was set up, wasn't it? Because, you know, he, he gave his mate a promise, you know, that he was going to get justice for what happened in this. And I think this survivors group is, is, is really good, and it needs to be 
supported really it really does and uh, great work has come from that so anyway Dale says this was so hard to watch I stopped watching halfway through I was abused by a scout leader starting around 1975 to 1982 I was uh, I, had, I had only just opened up about it I had to have counselling after my mum had passed away and disclosed my abuse to by the scout leader I have Left, felt ashamed for most of my life, thinking it and thinking that I had let it happen. The man who did this to me um, is long dead. No point in telling the cops now. You know what? And I think this is what these people, these paedophiles, do to you. They make you believe or feel that it's your fault. They make you feel ashamed, don't they? The shame is all on them. It has to be. It's not about you as a victim did nothing wrong children vulnerable children lives ruined really this man had to hold that in you know for many many years before he said so all i can say to you with any of these um you know cases that we do and especially when it comes down to sexual abuse like this you must tell someone Try and talk to someone, whether it's confidential or, you know, you can be anonymous. There's so many places that you can go and talk to someone because it was not your fault at all. Never is a child's fault. Never. No matter how people want you to think it is, these perpetrators, how much they've lied to you, abused you, ruined your life, made you feel guilty, ashamed. There's nothing to feel ashamed or guilty about. You should live your life. And the more you open up about it, hopefully your life will become easier for you. So thank you for watching. You know what to do. You can follow us on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, well, I'm going to go on Instagram a bit more longer. You can catch this up and let's have a chat about murder. Um, I don't know with this case. You know, it's a case that we're going to carry on with. There's, it's, it's opening up this case to a lot more stuff. So all I can say to you is thank you for watching. And until the next time. Bye-bye.